All right, let's go chronologically here and talk about like things that we should check in with each other on. Okay. The first one probably being the rut that we were both in last fall. Oh yeah. As of the time of this recording, we have just reached the end of that cycle. And that was all recorded last fall when we were kind of like experiencing very specific things, but also kind of a broader sort of malaise, a broader um, depression. Mm. So how's it going for you? Uh, I would say it's a little bit better than it was then. I mean, it's, I don't know, not necessarily in a practical way, because I still, I find myself still kind of like, feeling some of the same listlessness that I did then, but there's definitely a plan around it that there wasn't then. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just, there's more energy. I was, I was just in a crash partially. Like the rut was, was there, but there was also, I had just finished school around that time too. So there was just this kind of like, everything was go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden it like switched off like two weeks before we taped that. So that has all smoothed out and like, yeah, I, I have pretty much a plan around the stuff that I want to be doing. And so that all feels good, but it's it's also not like every day is an exciting gift either. So it's it's where I can see it and I'm, I'm not dissatisfied with it. But how about mm-hmm. you? I'm feeling a lot better um, in general. Still, the, the same issues are still present. Oh, this is hard to describe, actually. A lot of the same reasons for the rut are still present, mm-hmm. right? But I've been able to reframe a lot of it just by what the rut necessitated or what the sources of the rut necessitated. Hmm. Um, Because like the first thing I had to do after we moved out of the studio was fit everything back inside my house. Hmm. And so I spent like the whole month of December just like I brought everything home, my record collection and everything. All of a sudden it's in my house and I'm like just going through all of my records and like kind of making a little like ambient environment for myself as I'm going through like literally most of my belongings and finding a way to reorganize my whole apartment and make everything fit. Mm. Um, and that reorganization process was what it needed to be Yeah, for me to like process everything and make it feel okay. Mm. And it was just a lot of like, I had a lot of space to myself that month. And like, of course it wasn't under ideal conditions and it wasn't as productive as it could have been, but what I needed at that time was time and space to myself. Yeah. And I needed to like really reframe everything that was going wrong and reframe like the, my, my strategies around dealing with it. Mm. So I was able to do that. And then what really helped me actually was like talking to Dickens about beginner's mind and like having enough, like while still very uncertain about what my future looks like and the steps that I want to take moving forward now that I'm in the middle of a job change and everything, talking to Dickens about beginner's mind and getting into new hobbies and new interests has made me just like, it's given me that like excited curiosity Mm. and that like optimistic curiosity to go into like some next phase with enough enthusiasm. Yeah. And I think that like, while we were recording this stuck in the rut stuff, I had none of that enthusiasm and I was just, I just felt the weight of it, you know? Yeah. So now I'm like more optimistic and more happy, but (laughs) on the surface, nothing has changed. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> except for my attitude about it, you know? Yeah. So. No, I, I get that though. I mean, that, that's a little bit of like how I was feeling with it too. Like it just, yeah. I don't know, like my position within it has shifted slightly. And mm-hmm. cause that's what I meant. Like, it's hard to think back about that and actually see what's changed. Like there's nothing that I can really point to. That's a tangible thing that I'm like, Oh, that's better now. Or that's, that's accomplished now. Like it's just kind of a lot of the same stuff, but yeah, like I, yeah, I feel a lot more confident about certain parts of it. I feel like certain things are a little bit more exciting, a little bit more possible because mm-hmm. there was just so much uncertainty then and none of it yeah. was like great fun and positive uncertainty. So, and we were talking a lot then about the kind of existential aspects of it too, if I recall, like even just that sort of free flow in like, seems like all our peers are doing such and such a thing or a bundle mm-hmm. of things. And what the hell are we doing? Like we had, I remember, I don't know if that was on mic, but we had some conversations like that too. And even that, it feels like the world itself has just kind of heaved itself into another plateau at this point. Whereas a lot of things were in motion back then. Mm-hmm. So there's even a little bit of comfort in that. Yeah. I guess I would say that like the existential parts of it back then for me were we talked a lot about institutional support and we talked a lot about like the gratification that certain things are supposed to have that they just weren't having Mm. for us. Like art wasn't as making art wasn't as gratifying and like just being a creative person didn't feel as gratifying because it lacked certain support and lacked certain motivation and lacked certain compensation. Mm. And that was tough to deal with. All of that is still true. Yeah, definitely. But like having said that, I've been writing songs recently for the first time in a while. And like the whole problem that I was having was taking my art too seriously. I think Mm. I just started, I've been writing like fun pop songs and grunge songs lately Nice. that just, and like stop, I stopped taking like folk music so seriously. Yeah. Or I've, I've left the seriousness to the folk music and Mm. I've gone to other, other genres to like, for expression and for creativity and just like I wanted music to be a playground again. So I'm trying to make it a playground again. Yeah. And then there are other things where existentially speaking, having a purpose and having a ideal career path and stuff like that, like, like that has still been getting me down, but I've kind of narrowed down my focus and I've narrowed down like, what it is that I want to do and what I want my community involvement to be Mm. and what I want my specific skills to contribute to community and to serve my career. Yeah. I just, I have a better idea of what I need out of whatever the next phase of life is, but I have not yet started the next phase of life. I've just gone into like phase two of being in an uncertain phase and yeah. whatever phase one was the rut, but it's still in the face. This is getting confusing, but <laughs> no, I, I'm with you there though. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I've moved on to a phase two, but it's more like a one dot two or one dot three or, you know, right. some sort of an update yeah. has been applied to that first phase, but exactly. Yeah. Which is better than nothing. And I, I think for me, it's been pandemic related, but just that, like I've learned to really slow down my expectations around stuff like that. Like I've started to really kind of appreciate those sub phases. Whereas Mm -hmm. before I think I used to just see stuff as kind of like big general milestones and didn't really pay much attention to what was in between. And now I have (laughs) no choice. So I am (laughs) locked in with it. Yeah. It's funny too, because we, I was like, I was just editing the, um, 
our last day in the studio episode and we just released that and like I said somewhere in there that like I it felt like art was the way to get out of this yeah out, out of the rut you know like I had to kind of be cathartic and document the suffering with something like I always have done in the past you know mm. and that's kind of that's I've taken the opposite approach yeah like I didn't want to just be like oh let's let's make all this art that is representative of my current struggles like instead I just kind of like ignored that for a bit and just like let myself sit with what the problems were and like I found myself not processing those problems through art I waited until I could look at those problems with through a better more optimistic lens yeah and now what I am processing through art is my desire to have fun with something mm. rather than my desire to like have my suffering be known yeah which it there's not a place I ever thought I would end up. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I got to a very similar place with it. Like yeah. I just, it was something, I might have said it during one of those or at some other point when we were taping something, but like at a certain point a couple of years ago, I just kind of had that click that like poetry isn't going to be what gets me out of like this particular rut that I was in. Like songs aren't going to mm -hmm. be, it. it scared the shit out of me to think that because that's, I've never had that thought in my life. It's always been... I go right to that channel, you know, when I need to dig myself out of a hole. And there's absolutely holes that I still need to dig myself out of artistically. But, like, a lot of the, like, oh, why am I broke? Oh, why am I lonely? Or why am I tired? Like, just the day-to-day -day kind of shit like that, like, that I would have written a sad folk song about. It just kind of, like, clicked one day, and I couldn't get it to unclick. <laughs> that, like, I can't approach this like this. Because mm. I'm just almost pumping life into these issues so that I can keep making records about them, which isn't to say that those records I did make about them were disingenuous or anything. Cause they weren't like, I really was in those headspaces where like those things meant something to me. But now I just, I'm like, Christ, I don't know how to write about some of those things. Cause I don't, I still don't feel artistic about them mm. and it's a good, healthy shift. But it was just, I realized so much of what I thought was my human condition was just like learned helplessness. And yeah, it was kind of like I finally saw that that cage door was open and it didn't make everything better, but it kind of made me sigh and just like, okay, now let's do something here. And yeah, I have not been able to get that to unclick. Um, I don't know how long it's going to stay like this, but it's been fruitful, but mm very weird creatively. I haven't really figured out how to swing that pendulum back to a place where I can write about my feelings. I was listening to a song of mine recently because I was like doing a, a little bit of like a remaster on it for my Patreon page. Mm. And I was, you know, writing kind of a little mini blog. Every time I upload a song, I, I try not to just like write the, the story behind why I wrote it or anything like that, but like get into what it means. Mm-hmm. Like, what do these lyrics represent as, like, a part of the human condition, if it can be explicated that way? Yeah. And this one song was about, like, to do this, to do that, to do this. Like, does that take more than a man? Does that take more than, like, who I am right now? Mm -hmm. You know? And so it, it was written by me at 26 years old, like, okay, to advance into, like, this next phase in my career or like this was after I had dropped out of college mm. so it was 
to just finish something, to graduate into not just from college, but into the next stage of life. Like, what the fuck does that take that I'm <laughs> that I am not right now? Yeah. Like that was a very strong emotion for me at the time. And so I was kind of revisiting that because I'm feeling a lot of the same things right now. Like mm. just in the phase that, that j- just in the sense that I have to like graduate into a next phase. Right. Yeah. I'm not feeling the helplessness that I did then, but I was meditating on those lyrics and thinking like, I wouldn't write a song like this now, even though I feel the same way now. And part of that is because I already wrote the song. Yeah. So like it's, I'm, I wouldn't, it's not that I wouldn't write a song about the same thing twice, mm. but I think I nailed it once. So why would I do it again? Yeah. Um, but also I think now that it's not how I would process those feelings. Like I'm much more likely to process it through conversation and just like seeking empathy through others yeah, rather than doing anything exhibitionistic or I don't know. That's not to say that exhibition can't be cathartic, but I just think I'm a lot less likely, probably because I've already turned all of my feelings into art. Yeah. That like I can go back to those, even if they're not like released, like I can go back to the demos now. I can go back to the lyrics now, to the poetry, like, and read how I was feeling then and be like, okay, yeah, I captured that pretty well when I wrote it. And that's how I'm feeling now too. And revisiting that and writing something new doesn't feel necessary. Mm. I feel like a lot of like the emotional experience that I have had and am likely to have repeatedly, mm. I've already documented. <laughs> yeah. So it, I wouldn't have expected to have this perspective of it. Yeah. When I was first writing those songs and those poems and whatever, but um, like I, I, there was probably a time where I thought that I would just keep writing depressing shit and like yeah. pouring my emotions onto the page over and over again, no matter what they were. But I found over time that there are certain topics that I have just covered at length and well enough that I can revisit those songs mm. if I'm feeling that way. And those are my sort of signposts yeah for how art has helped me to be cathartic and yeah. i think i've just been cathartic enough about yeah. certain things <laughs> that i don't need to write about them anymore yeah that's got to be pretty healthy though because like yeah that's something i mean even the artists that i really like who are you know who kind of wrestle with like extremely depressive themes throughout their entire careers that depression evolves, you know, like it's not like they're still writing about the same teenage heartbreak the whole time. Like they may have written about that when they were younger. And then by the end of it, it's like, think of like Elliot or something, you know, like it's very simple, touching, devastating folk in the beginning, all the way to like Basement on a Hill, which is like Sergeant Pepper of depression. Like it's just it's a little trippier. Yeah. Yeah. It's darker. It's, it's angry. It's, it's sort of collapsing in on itself. Like, it's just a multidimensional record, but it's coming from the same, like, kind of the same well, you know? And that's what, like, I think for me, I realized, like, yeah, I still have a lot of those same signposts and I can visit those things if and when I want to, but that well isn't what I thought it was. Mm. And there were parts of that, of whatever my well is, that I've been neglecting for at least the last 10 years because it didn't feel like it fit 
like the profile yeah. of who would be playing those songs. Like again, not to say that it was like a conscious, like I'm taking on a character to like make these records, but just it it created nothing but dissonance when I was thinking about like I'm gonna go out and play. I don't like if if the younger me had been into all the stuff that I'm into now and was playing the kinds of shows and songs and records and things that I was doing, I wouldn't have known how to make sense of it. I didn't have the vocabulary, you know. I just none of my idols were doing those things and yeah. or at least not all of them. And I didn't have the like self confidence to really say, All right, well there's still no fucking rules, so like I'm just gonna do this. And I don't know, now I do. So it's kinda like that's all well and good, but how the hell do you reconcile that with the stuff that you, you like, you know? Mm. So it's, it's weird, but there is a definite, like, undeniable optimism, I think, throughout all of it, but not a comfort. We never really debriefed on the arc of the first half of this season and we went into it like <laughs> swearing that we would have more guests and like yeah. didn't really have a, a lineup of topics like set in stone or anything but I feel like we definitely derailed from our mission statement which was to have more guests more consistently yeah. and uh, try to get experts on and everything. There were extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Um, we were kind of both in a weird place last fall so... We also tried, you know. Like. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, like it's like fifty-fifty. Like a part of it was like it sort of went a certain way, and another part was like we pivoted some stuff because it was like this is definitely how things are pulling. No, I'm really glad that the uh, that the humanist group kind of came along and and gave us something to talk about. Yeah, you know, even if it wasn't exactly what we imagined it to be it was just sometimes you end up where you are yeah and like that's been something that's allowed me to like get more interested in community in a way that i hadn't been before because like as we've talked about the pandemic has made community difficult yeah um so like having that um level of fulfillment or that type of fulfillment on a weekly basis has been great as yeah. well as like it's been very stimulating conversation. Yeah. I think it like widened our, um, at least our view of the topics that we could go into as well, or even other potential arcs to, to follow for mini series or even entire seasons. Like I, I've noticed just from like the weekly discussion groups, like just we'll, we'll come up with three or four different paths sometimes like, Oh, we could do a whole series on like this perspective on this topic. And, that wasn't something that we were really talking about before. We were talking about topics more as kind of like modular things. They might all flow together, but like, yeah, that's that was kind of neat. I just remember some of our conversations in the fall. It was like kind of following the same linear trajectory that we had been, but like embellishing it with guests or deeper dives or more research or things like that. And I think by keeping it kind of ambiguous at times or, or allowing like the discussions to sort of dictate the direction. It's mm -hmm. let us make more like kind of lateral moves creatively, which was something I didn't realize we needed, but I think it it was like a good growth thing. Yeah, and that's not to say that we hadn't been making like those kind of broad and more comfortable lateral moves before. Because I think yeah. for I think we were kind of like just steeped in existentialism for a bit, which isn't 
bad. Yeah. Um, I was enjoying that. About, like, oh, I was yeah. enjoying kind of the, the philosophical bent that the last season had been taking. Yeah. But that said, like, I think we kind of arrived there together and mm-hmm. we're kind of exploring that territory together. And this weekly group has been your first exposure to the liturgist community yep. at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been a member of it for a few years now. So something we talked about a little bit the other day was like, I, I checked in with you and asked like this weekly group was kind of a thing that I had pitched and that I was spearheading. And, um, I don't want you to feel like I have been like steamrolling this season in a direction that it might not have gone otherwise, if I hadn't been kind of like searching for purpose. (laughs) 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 And that's just to say that if you wanted to be more in charge of booking topics and booking guests than you currently are. Like, I absolutely want to open up that space for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm into it. Like, I've really enjoyed the the last several, like, just the the last several months of um, kind of the tone shift at times with the new community. Like, that's been really cool to me. And it's been, at many points, it's been, like, very out of my comfort zone in a good way. Like, in kind Mm -hmm. of a... Honestly, even just having panel discussions like that, like, that's something that's always... It's tricky, especially virtually. So even that is simple things, let alone what we're actually talking about. Like, yeah, I've really been enjoying it and I love all the people that we've met. But yeah, I mean, I am open to it as well. Kind of um, seeing like where we could go from here and and pulling, um, like my thing was wanting to maybe pull from some of the stuff that I've learned through getting my degree and shit like that. Like it's, right. I mean, I'm by no means a PhD or anything, so it's not going to be like the deepest well yet. But um. I've found that there are a lot of cool parallels between like the kind of the social psych stuff that I was learning and other topics like community and and stuff where you can look at it through a spiritual lens and think like, what does this do in terms of my own fulfillment or my own connection with my fellow human and stuff like that. But you can also look at it like more mechanically, like why, why do we do this? Mm. Like in a lot of ways, it's more convenient or more efficient to be alone. So why do we need this? (laughs) Like, I don't prefer to be alone, but I mean, it's like, when you really think about it, like there's a hell of a lot of tumults and and anxiety and, and pain that comes with, and sacrifice that comes with being in a community if mm-hmm. in certain cases. So why do we do it, you know? And mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed like some of the stuff in my reading and, and courses and research and stuff, like looking down a little bit into those layers and seeing like, oh shit, like we do this because it's a survivalistic streak that we have or because the wiring of our brain makes us act in a certain way. I don't know. It's just, I really enjoy that. And there's certain topics that I think could lend itself to that. Yeah. So all of that said, we have uh, a number of guests that are booked for the second half of the season, um, which is great. I'm excited for a lot of those conversations. And uh, since we're not very well connected to the academic community, I've been doing my fair share of research on who has done, you know, video lectures on certain topics that so that we can be familiar with their speaking style and their presentation style. And yeah, um, and just like I can get we can get kind of a sense of their intellect going into the conversation and then try to book people who know what they're talking about a little bit more. Yeah. Um, As fun as it is to just have conversations with amateurs about topics, because I think that's where like a lot of the unexpected goodies come from. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. when you talk to people who have no idea about a subject academically, yep. but can apply r- real world experience or, you know, unexpected uh, metaphorical applications to it. Yeah. Then, you know, that that's where it gets fun for me. But yeah, anyway, so the second half of the season, <laughs> we're going to be sticking to that mission statement a little bit more. Yeah. Because it's intimidating, the idea of getting like true experts on a given topic. And because it, it feels like mm-hmm. it becomes more, unless they're just willing to go over that cliff with us and just like see what the hell happens, which feels like a professional risk. Like I've never been in their shoes as mm-hmm. a general rule, but like that seems like there's a certain amount of risk or like patience that they would have to have that we might not have to have to do that. But yeah. um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of intimidating to think about having people like that on. And I think that could be a good thing. Like just, mm-hmm. it'll be a real kind of gut check and it would really force us to like white knuckle certain topics that might really take us some cool places, but that we might've otherwise not considered or that we might not have considered to be as robust as they could end up being. Mm-hmm. It could be fun. Do you think we'll we'll ever bring back the book club? <laughs> I do. I don't know how though. Yeah. I I don't think it's a bad idea. Still, I it's a it's just the type of thing we need the right medium, mm-hmm. and we need a little bit of momentum mm. that isn't just us. Yeah, I still want someone else to host it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if it if we got to a point where we had a platform kind of like the liturgists um mm. where we could have a multiple nights almost or a few different groups that kind of like orbit yeah. the same thing i think it would totally work at that point yeah small groups yeah just like one night a week like some people meet and do this and then it kind of plugs back into the main thing like we can be involved in whatever capacity we want to be as opposed to like us having to bang out a ton of um, like critical reading and then sort of essentially lecture people on like what we've been reading. <laughs> like I think that's, that's tough to do at the early stages. Yeah, it is. Um, so, I mean, that said, maybe we can, like last year, what we were doing was we were putting out a call for someone else to come in and, and host a book club, someone with a little bit more of that like English major interest level who could sort of lead the discussions, but we would, you know, the three of us or the four of us or however many people were involved in that point would take part in the recording session together and like, you know, just talk about a certain book. Yeah. But I think it actually would be cooler to, for it to be like a small group type thing. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure how to go about gaining that interest, but. It strikes me as something that would never be big. Yeah. Like, it, it's always going to be like, I don't know, say like 10% of our overall thing, like whatever we're we're doing in terms of listenership or effort or whatever. Like this is always going to be the kind of thing that's like a minuscule chunk of that. Yeah. So if right now we don't have like 100,000 people tuning in, it's going to be like you and me and maybe Debbie calling in to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I read that book too. Like, <laughs> But if we had like 1,000 people regularly engaging, it might be... I don't know, the first 10 or 20 or 100 people. It's just always, it strikes me as something that if it's really cool and really what it's going to end up being in a nice, wholesome kind of way, it'll be a tight pocket of people. 
This is what we've been talking about, though. Like, let me explain. For the past few months, we've had many conversations about mm. only doing something so that it's a production. Only doing something so that it manifests in content. Only mm. doing something for the world to see. Yeah. And if we wanted to start a book club with our friends, we could just start a book club with our friends and record nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm asking myself right now, do I want there to be a book club so that <laughs> I can like narrate voiceovers of like passages that sound really poetic and are just fun to speak aloud and, you know, yeah. create content out of it and, and, and sound design the fuck out of it and make a good production Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be a part of a book club for the community of it yeah, and for the stimulating conversation of it and whatever? And I keep asking myself these kinds of questions lately. And like, it goes back to our conversation about DIY spaces and like, can they be used for more? Like if there were a book club hosted at my local music venue with like yeah. people from the DIY community that I knew and was close with and that I trusted and that I knew I always had good conversations with anyway, I would absolutely take part in it, but it wouldn't need to be a production at that point. It wouldn't be part of the like DIY concert going experience. It would be a community act. Yeah. And this is kind of what I feel like I'm like, I'm missing. Like it kind of goes hand in hand with that where I want community enrichment without there being promotion and production and like my public facing identity being on the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And it's not just stuff like book club either. It's like, I, I feel like <laughs> there are a lot of things that I kind of felt were misunderstood during that conversation with Justin Yeah, as far as like where I was coming from. But I don't know. I, just, I, I keep thinking about that. Like, should we just start a book club with a couple other people that we know and not air it? The other question is, would we do it? Yeah. Not that like we're shallow and we only want to do stuff that like gets us listeners, but no, but we are busy and it's are, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like the scheduling wise, it's easier to be like, Oh, I got a taping right now. That kind of thing. Exactly. I think we could though. I mean, if we, we don't have to do it for the exhibitionism, but we could definitely still make it a structured thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the weekly liturgist groups, like the, yeah. the Thursday groups, like we're not recording those. It's just a good thing to do. And now we've been doing it a while and it's like, it's a part of the, it's a part of the week. Like one of the hosts that used to be a part of the liturgists, uh, you know, a couple of the hosts kind of disbanded and, and, and science Mike went off and started his own podcast and, uh, or he already had his own podcast, but he kind of rebranded it and started a, what's that thing that people do with the, <laughs> what's the. <laughs> I keep wanting to say distro kid. What's that <laughs> server that people set up? And uh, Discord? D- Discord, yeah. What is that? I've never had really a sense of what that is. I think it's just like a chat room. Okay. Maybe with other features. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, Discord. He, he, so he started a Discord server and like had his own kind of community of people that would gather for like Dungeons and Dragons game nights and... Yeah. They had a book club going and they had like, it was like as soon as COVID started, he went and started that show and a community kind of formed out of it, which he still fosters. And um, it's like something that people really needed. And I don't know, it's kind of what like, how many people do you know that have just been, I don't want to 
dig too deep into this topic or back into this topic, but like how many people do you know that have spent like the entire pandemic just lamenting the loss of live shows and lamenting the loss of, of music and concert going culture and stuff? Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah. There's gotta be other shit to do, you know? And I don't know, maybe we know more people than we're aware of who were more in tune with how can community go virtual and how can things be online and still keep us connected and, and whatnot. But, um, I feel like I'm among those who was like, Oh no, there's a pandemic loving all this alone time, but this means I'm not being seen. Yeah. And so I've created a lot of ways for me to be seen. Yeah. And less ways for me to be engaged with community. Yeah. And I think that that has absolutely been like to my spiritual detriment. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. I mean, the technology that was required to kind of facilitate those um, new communities that I've never found that that comes naturally. It's a lot more natural now than it was two, three years ago, but it's still for a long time. It was either not on my radar or it was something I just didn't want to do. Like the, Mm -hmm. the whole idea of virtual shows, I still... There's one organization that I'll consistently do virtual shows for if I'm asked, just because I I really like them and it's like, it's a good way to stay in touch and stay involved. But like, and in general as a practice, I'm I'm still just not comfortable with them, and Mm -hmm. uh, I've found that extends to a lot of other ways of communicating with people in in like meeting settings or like just socially. Like there's, it's hard to, like we said way back, like the pandemic was kind of the death of casual. Like there's no hanging out because you have to log off. You can't just kind of like slink out and like, you know, things fizzle. It's like, there is no fizzle. And I've, I found that that was a huge barrier to my getting involved with anything um, that actually felt like a community in that way online. And now I'm starting to like come around to a lot of stuff that I wasn't then and things Mm -hmm. are starting to liven back up. But I know a bunch of people who are in a similar boat with that and, you know, you just get kind of blindsided all of a sudden. Like, this is the only way to socialize en masse, but it's also, it's like it's in another language sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or the energy level that it requires is just not there, you know? Yeah, that's a good point too, because I was going to agree with the technological barrier side of it, but also, like, it's not just knowing how to use the technology, it's also, this is an introversion versus extroversion thing, and like, I get that, so... Granted that I am like an extroverted introvert, I suppose. Yeah. Or at least like an Enneagram 5 introvert that needs stimulating conversation in my life without a certain kind of presence that I can feel coming off of other people, I do lack a certain amount of energy. Yeah. And that might be the energy that it takes to <laughs> learn that technology to begin with or to be enthusiastic about like getting in something like a Discord server going, which is not my jam. Yeah. So, um, just to begin with, like, I'm not a tech savvy person. So, and it's the upkeep too. I mean, that's always been like, we've talked endlessly about like social media and stuff, but like, that's always been my issue with that kind of stuff. It's not the setup that, that stops me. It's, I mean, like I can figure it out. It's just the day to day. It's the like Mm -hmm. constant, like renewing your membership in a news feed or whatever. That's what I just, uh, a good God, I don't have the energy or the, the savvy to like cut through that kind of stuff. And, and I've found that that, that also applies to 
socializing on like large Zoom groups or different things like that. It's like the way that you have to like interject or the way even like simple things like um do you ever think about just how your your posture and like your level of like physical presence is it's so different when it comes to the way you socialize now versus just hanging out in a group of people like I never was aware of how much I would like pace or how much I might like flop down on a couch and then stand up and go stand over here or lean on this wall or like just how dynamic my doing nothing was until I found myself getting exhausted after like 45 minutes talking to somebody on a Zoom call and being very engrossed, but also being mm. like, I've been sitting in a fucking swivel chair upright in front of a microphone, worried that if I move too far this way or this way, or if I drink too loudly of this from this water bottle, like it's, it's like, I don't even think about shit like that when I'm just hanging out with people. So I've started to notice like there's so many little things that go into a comfortable social interaction for me that yeah. build up into a comfortable community kind of warmth that are so hard to replicate digitally. Absolutely. A quick funny story about that, actually. So I, I'm always very aware of how much I pace. <laughs> and I do it like on the phone. If I'm on the phone with somebody, I'm almost never sitting down. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Aside from when I talk to you late at night because I have to go outside so I can be loud and laugh and not wake anybody up. Um, so I'll sit in the car. Yeah. But aside from that, like I would prefer, and that's just because it's been winter. I prefer to be, you know, walking around up and down the street. Yeah. But so the other day I had to make a doctor's appointment. So I had gotten my wallet out to get my insurance card out so I could read off the numbers. And <laughs> the woman on the phone was like, okay, can you read your insurance number back to me? And I was like, I seem to have paced away from it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had left it in one room and paced to the other side of the house. And I was like, sorry, you got to wait. Bear with me. I'm a pacer. <laughs> I heard a lot of empathy in her voice when I told her I paced away from it one second. <laughs> There's an honesty to that. It's not just like, yeah. oh, let me try to find it. It's like, look, this... Conversation. There's a current to this thing. I'm drifting. Look, you away. know how phones go. Yeah. <laughs> Have we um, debriefed on the humanist perspective arc? I don't think we need to debrief on the whole arc. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to bring up was like that was something that was very helpful for me in like reframing where I was at in the rut because so much of the rut was community-based stuff. Yeah. And being exposed to other people's perspectives and other people's experiences through that group and not going into it as like, like, like deliberately going into that discussion group, not as a teacher, but as I want to learn from all of you just as much as you might be here to learn from me. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It was a very... It was a weird time in my life, like especially coming from the rut, <laughs> to purport that I could teach anybody anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but it, it just helped to like go into it with that sort of openness. Mm. And, um, you know, the people that followed us through the initial six weeks were were great and always had very, very good insights yeah. on, on the topics and like added to the 
basic topics in in ways that I never would have thought to add to them. Mm. So that was definitely one of the reasons that like, even though all those sources of the rut are still present, I've been able to reframe what I want out of the next phase that I'm striving for, because that has redefined the desires that I have for what I want community to be. Yeah. Or not redefined necessarily, but reassured me that like the desires that I have are very valid and very attainable. Yeah, it's a good group. I, I'm enjoying that it's still going on and it was nice to do that arc as kind of its own finite thing and then have something flow from it. What have you gotten out of it that you didn't think you would? Um, Honestly, just people modeling, like trusting each other. That's mm. been nice, which is like I never really kind of... I mean, I expected people to like be cool <laughs> with each other and be, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know, be trustworthy. But like, I just didn't expect that to be a takeaway. But um, yeah, I think just seeing a lot of people being earnest at the same time was something that I haven't experienced a lot. Yeah, at least in a way that I've found convincing, and so that was really nice. Um, and then just hearing everybody's story was really cool. Like just, there were so many different backgrounds that I have absolutely no experience with. And right. that was just really cool to me to sort of hear people talk about their own, their upbringings or their experience with religion or deconstruction or wherever they are philosophically, or just, I don't know what life has done with them. Like that's, I, I enjoy stories anyway, but that was just really kind of cool to like every week have kind of a concentrated dose of that that orbited a different theme each time mm -hmm. and where there were enough regulars that you could start to see, like, you, you know, you could start to build your understanding of a person, like as they talk more and you start to get to know them better. And then there's other people that are totally new and just bringing something completely different and contributing that way. So yeah, yeah, I really like it. It's made me realize how much, you know, we'll revisit this theme quickly, but like there was a reason that I wanted a secular youth group for adults. Yeah. I'll never tire of saying that phrase. <laughs> uh, um, but last fall, I started really feeling called to be more of a community facilitator and more of a, like, so something that's often bothered me about, like, jobs that I've had where I'm in community, but I'm more on the administrative side of it. And yeah. I'll make shit happen behind the scenes, maybe. But I'm not going to be present for the actual, like, thing that people are gathering for. Yeah. And I've realized more and more that I need to be present for more of those things. And I was feeling called to basically revisit the church environment that I grew up in. Mm. But I knew that that didn't mean ideologically. I meant, I knew that it meant environmentally. Yeah. And I knew that it meant like, I think I need to give people a safe space to belong and to have not even emotionally charged or like therapeutic conversations necessarily, but like I need to give people a space for expression. Yeah. And I, I've felt this calling on and off in various forms, whether it's like, you know, I think like seven years ago or something, I, I had this epiphany that I'm really good at helping people with art. And mm -hmm. if I had the space and resources to do it with more types of art than I would, mm -hmm. I've never been able to like throw a, like, like I've never been able to help people produce a play. Yeah. And if I had the space for that, I would do that. But I've been able to help people 
get their novels edited and formatted. I've been able to help people record music. I've been able to help people play music. I've been, you know, I've been a facilitator for a lot of different kinds of things in a very guerrilla way. Yeah. In a very DIY way. And I think what I felt called to do was to continue being that within an institution, not necessarily like in a corporate way or in like a more profitable way. Mm-hmm. But that's where I wanted my institutional support to be coming from primarily. Yeah. Was like, if I'm going to continue being a community facilitator and if I'm going to continue facilitating expression and being a champion of that, I need an institution to back me. And I can't be that institution anymore as like a DIY entity. Yeah. So where does that best happen? (laughs) And it's in a church, in my experience. Yeah. And so I look for those other church-like settings where that can be possible and what can my role be there. And kind of what I've landed on is like, I'm really good at event production. Yeah. At least like to the extent that I've had my experience there, which is granted smaller 200 or less people events. Yeah. But I'm really good at event production and I'm really good at facilitating certain types of events and discussions. Hmm. And so I, my goal right now is to get better at that and find the other outlets for that that will allow me to further that skill and further my capability to bring people together in that way and to experience community in that way. Mm.